0: hmm that's good welcome to digital coffee i hope you guys had a great long weekend and it was full of well remembering and just enjoying your time off i was actually working on monday trying to get and actually accomplishing finishing the overwatch video review which is up on youtube right now so check it out anyways let's get on with the tech news because that's what you're really here for and if you didn't know i'm your host bread deister if you didn't know that now you do so let's get on with it all right airbnb yes the ever popular way of people running out their Homes, apartments, to get a little extra money, and maybe just not wanting to be so well alone by itself. If you're on vacation, well, it's adding a new feature that allows people, well, your neighbors mostly, to uh, complain about you or the people that you say yes to uh, for renting out your space. That could be anything from grievances like noise to inappropriate things to doing things that. shouldn't be doing, maybe not know that they shouldn't be doing, any of that type of thing, it's a no-no. And now they can complain about it. They can also complain about it, well, anonymously, which if you really have that big of a problem, please just talk to them. Don't don't be that person. Uh, you, they also can, if they don't want to do it, they can also give their contact information. You guys can hash it out, which I think is always a better thing than side-eyeing or looking leerly at, leerly Leering. Literally leering at somebody because you're like, ah, uh, that last person that you said yes to, or uh, because these hosts don't really know the whole person in general. They just kind of like talk to them for a few times, maybe get some a little bit of background check. Beyond that, they won't really know the person, how clean or not clean they are. They aren't asking for a full like background check of everything they do in their lives. This is just how it is, and that's what. Uh, that's what it is. I'm not really in favor of this because I just feel like it's a tool to troll easily. And also it just feels like in an, an, an vendetta against somebody if you just don't like your neighbor anyways, you you could just whine and complain about them, but it's there for somebody's enjoyment maybe. All right, Periscope is adding new moderation tools for comments, yes. And if you are live streaming and you come across, let's say, a comment that may or may not be uh, offensive, abusive, whatever the terminology that you want to use that people misuse today a lot, uh, you can say, hey, it looks abusive. And then what Periscope's going to do is it's going to ask the community that's watching you and say if it is. And if they all rule that it is, then you will be uh, warned and blocked for a little bit. If you do it continually, you'll be blocked from the live stream. Completely. That means you cannot comment or do anything like that. So it's an interesting step, I guess, in the right direction. Uh, I, I say if you're a live streamer and you don't want this stuff, you have every right to block those people because that's your stream. And if you want to keep it clean, you want people saying things that you don't want them to say, then that's your right. Uh, They're right to say whatever they want, but they can also have consequences too. But it's still your right, especially if it's your stream. To do what you want just like the company can do what they want these tools are pretty good i kind of like that you can moderate it i kind of wish it would, it would just allow you to actually do it yourself but i understand that they don't want people to go like crazy with it and be like oh abusive 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 and they're not really abusive they're just questioning whatever your thoughts are uh but this one see at least it's asking Everybody else, hey, is this what the person claims it is? And then say no, then, well, then they won't be allowed to do that anymore. Not one bit. But yeah, it's a step in the right direction. They're probably going to bring a little bit more algorithmic type of tools to it so they can moderate it better. But this is kind of step in the right direction just for allowing the user to say, hey, I don't want this on my stream is fine. That's That's what you can and cannot do. All right, now here's a little uh, sticky situation. Facebook, Twitter, Google, Microsoft have all signed up to, well, police speech on their sites. Now, they can do this. The problem I have with them doing this is that prior to all this, they've always been the champion of free speech, saying, no, we will not get rid of this because we want free speech to reign supreme. And now they're kind of like, well, maybe not so supreme. Maybe because of supposed hate speech that we are going to say what hate speech is or isn't. And, well, we're trying to quote-unquote protect free speech, but that's not really protecting free speech. Just because you silence somebody or say that they can't say this isn't going to make that speech go away. It's actually going to make it fester. And that's always my problem with these pro-policing people for speech. Oh, it's it's so horrid you shouldn't say that i'm like well then you can let that fester in someone's head and then they could still think that and then it could probably get any worse more worse than what it already is so i'm against this i'm just i just have a huge problem with the eu and their sense of free speech i don't think they really understand what that actually means they have a sense of being more authoritarian about it and saying this is right speech ergo or Ergor, <laughs> ergo, ergor. Error. I just created my own character. It's like Igor with ergo, ergor. But ergo, uh, it could be that it, it just won't work. I mean, we're seeing a lot of this backlash for people that are saying, you can and cannot say this, and people are getting starting to get fed up with it. The problem is with the EU is that they think they know what they're doing, and they usually don't. And it makes it look really bad because you're like, oh, we're protecting free speech. I'm like, no, you're really not because free speech does have its unfortunate, terrible dark sides to it. And that is, well, people are going to say things that you don't like. That happens. But if you give the reign of people going, oh, this is hateful speech, abhorrent. Oh, my gosh. I'm so offended. You're just giving them a right to be a victim all the time. I get that uh, ISIS and all them have used it pretty effectively, but that's because of their just marketing and branding and just knowing how to use it really well. It isn't because that anybody can do that and use it effectively. No, they actually know, know how to use these sites really effectively and they did it relatively well enough to gain a lot of traction. Now for those types of things, then fine, yeah, you can block them and silence them if you want to, but if your company has Well, use that bedrock of, we are champions of free speech. We want all speech, come here, speak. We don't care what you say. And then go, well, and this is like years later, well, not really, we don't really want free speech. You can say this, but you can't say that. Then you're really not going on your principles. And I get that it changes over time, but if you're going to be the champion of free speech, for your early days and then all of a sudden about face because, well, it's a popular thing to do, then you have a problem here. Facebook, I get it. You're a company. You can silence speech if you want to, but don't claim that you're fighting for free speech when you're silencing it too. That's just stupid. That is unethical and you should probably change the way you're you're talking about it, especially Twitter as well. They've done the same thing. Has Google done it? In, kind of, sort of, but not really. They haven't really been that gung-ho about free speech and how it should be protected. I think they do understand it, but they're, they haven't been as vocal as Facebook and Twitter has. And that's my problem with it, is that these companies in the United States are gonna fight for encryption, free speech, and all that stuff, and they hear, well, not really. We don't really care that much. We're just gonna, you know, cow-tie to whatever the government is going to say because it's gonna ruin our business. But that's the thing is that they'll champion it in the United States, but once they're out of the United States, well, maybe not so much. Maybe we won't really champion that much. Maybe we'll just pretend that we champion it in the United States, but not really anywhere else. Because why would we want to do that? That's just weird. This is bad for business. If you're gonna be that way, then just say you really aren't for free speech, and just end it. Just do not lie about it, and think that. I mean, you own a social media, you know that whatever you say is going to stick and it's going to be there for a while. Now, people may forget about it because that's what people are. We're always looking for the next outrage and I'm not really outraged about it. I just really want them to be clear. Look, you're not for free speech. Let's be honest with you. Your business, your business doesn't want to stay in business, and you have to be in business with a bunch of different countries that have a bunch of different rules, morals, and different societies. So they may not agree with free speech, just like the United States has free speech in the Bill of Rights. Not the Constitution. Constitution is something else. It's the Bill of Rights. People go, it's in the Constitution. I'm like, no, it's actually in the Bill of Rights, which is a separate piece of paper. But anyways, let's digress from that because I could go on for longer than i should but just about that anyways that's that's my problem with it right now is the free speech thing is just completely lame and they should really stop doing that it's just becoming one of those things where it's just like we are for free speech in the united states well in europe not so much we'll just take them down so if you are gonna say something quote-unquote hateful, because that is a very subjective term, even if you define it, still subjective. Great, you guys defined it. However, I'm not in favor of it. I've never been in favor of it. So they will, t- they will take it down in 24 hours, or else they will let you know, like, hey, you shouldn't be saying this. Maybe you should say it in this way. And it's kinda like, oh, so now you're telling me what I can and can't say. So now you're really not for free speech. And that's my biggest problem with these companies now. They are for it and they should just come out and say you aren't for free speech because you really aren't ever for it. Stop it, stop saying it. It's just annoying, very annoying. All right, you remember MySpace? Yeah, the place you used to go where you had the top friends and you could bling out your uh, MySpace profile page and then it will never load on someone's page because you blinged it out too much and then just the bandwidth just does not control or handle your awesome profile page. And then eventually Facebook happened and, well, it went bye-bye. It, it, didn't, it didn't do very well, didn't invade as much and it kind of went to being not very popular. It got sold off, and then got sold off again to Time Inc. Well, it also got hacked. The data breach is probably one of the biggest data breaches to date, however, it is old data. So it is data from the platform prior to June 11th, 2013, and that is when security protocols weren't as good as they are now. The company now has better security protocols, but I will let you alert you that you actually have a MySpace page and tell you that you may want to change another password or two because you probably should. Uh, it also, uh, Leaksource.com has kind of calculated what were the most popular or most frequent used passwords on, on MySpace. Okay. I'll give you the top five and then I mean if you really want to go to leaksource.com and figure it out, you can do what you want to. Number one was homeless PA. That's that's weird. Number two was password number password and uh, the number one. which is password one, that's just the whole password. Number three was ABC123. Number four was one, two, three, four, five, six. Seriously, people, can we just really stop with that password? and password one, it doesn't work. People figure it out, stop it. I know this was prior to 2013, but seriously, some of these are you are still using and you should stop using them. Number five is MySpace one. And then six, seven, eight, and nine all have a combination of one, two, three, four, five, six, and ABC one, two, three, which is weird. And well, it's MySpace, should we care? I don't think this is a big of a problem as, let's say, LinkedIn got hacked a little bit of, uh, a couple years ago and, had, and 117 million passwords were, well, got, you know, unlocked, they could see them, they could see a whole bunch of different things. That was bad. Target's hack was bad. There's a few other ones. Uh, Experian was a really bad hack as well. That was actually a terrible hack because they are, they are a credit card company that tracks your credit score. They should have better security. That one was bad. This MySpace one, not so bad, especially since it's really old data. Most people don't even use it. The funny thing is people are in an email going, I still have a MySpace, what? How How did I not get rid of that? Man, whatever, I, I don't care. Oh well, they hacked my MySpace. Hopefully they don't change my top eight. Oh no. Don't you remember that? Oh, the top eights. Those are some controversial times. Why am I not in your top eight? I don't know. I don't really care why you're not in my top eight, to be honest with you. Seriously, I'm talking to you right now. It's See, I actually want to hang out with you. So being on my top eight should not matter whatsoever. Oh, those times. That was a better thing than what Facebook did. They got rid of that. You know, to me, that was just annoying. I know you could customize it eventually, but it was still just really dumb. Like, I didn't care. I didn't care if I was on your topic, I really didn't, but some people actually did and I was like, why do you care so much? Oh, the rise of, you know, narcissism. Well, the rise of people understanding that narcissism is everywhere, it's just our generation kind of proved that it's everywhere, it's just that now we get blamed for it more often than we should, and so on and so forth. But let's move on. All right, Simply Hired is, well, it's apparently shutting down on June 26th, yes. It apparently hasn't been not been doing so well, even though it's not doing bad with how many people it's getting over. There is no, there's no, no one really knows why it's actually shutting down. Maybe because of lack of money, lack of interest, but they have started to email out partnerships saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna cut your partnership off June 26. You aren't gonna be having it anymore. Uh, please go to FAQ." to find out more about it uh it also says that they'll be stopped doing service on june 26th so it looks like it'll be shutting down in less than a month uh effectively it also there's a rumor saying that actually might the tech might be bought out now it could be from various different types of companies it could be linkedin could be google they've been interested in that as well but we don't really know simply hired i mean i've heard of it did i use it not as much i think i i've used indeed because indeed just I call it the Google search of jobs because it really is that good. Uh, but other ones, no, I, I never really used it that much. I may have gone to the site a couple times, but I never actually used it. So that could be another thing. I just think you just lost a lot of traction. And a lot of people just not didn't use it with you know Glassdoor, Indeed, LinkedIn. Even Craigslist still does jobs. And you can find a lot of jobs there as well. So, I mean, you had a lot of competition and maybe just didn't. Work out right. You also have Monster and Career Builder. I don't really think those are that great, but they're all right. No, terrible. All right, Iran wants well. It wants more data so it can track people. Let's be honest with you. Iran loves to track its own you, its own people to make sure they aren't saying anything bad about them. I guess. So what they're saying is that messaging apps, the companies, need to house data for Iranians onto their servers. The problem is with a lot of these uh, apps now for Iran is that a lot of them are doing end-to-end encryption. And uh, WhatsApp, which a lot of people use, uh, the company can't actually read what's going on. So... If I was in Iran, I would probably use WhatsApp the most. Uh, Telegram, you can't do that, but you have to do kind of whisper secret messages. Uh, So that's another thing for them to figure out as well, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to, you know, just make sure whatever – they're just trying to spy on you. be honest with you, they're a little bit more upfront about it than the United States is, but they're just trying to spy on their own people, make sure that they aren't saying anything that is – unworthy or whatever else that they can come up with that's what they're trying to do that's that's to be perfectly honest with what they're trying to do the problem is is that if a lot of these companies are ended encrypting their own uh, security protocols or their own messaging services then iran can't really do anything about it i mean they could force the company to do it but the company's like hey we we can't even read it and that's that's the thing with what's they can't read it at all so Iran could be in trouble regardless and still be a losing battle. And I think it's going to be a losing battle for a lot of these places for the most part. Uh, I think that with the governments trying to create back doors because no back door ever left closed for a while or unnoticed by hackers, it's just going to be a bigger deal. And governments are just always trying to find new ways of doing it. I am never in favor of this. I think – if you want – if you are really trying to spy on your own citizens, you have a, a, a very creepy problem. It's – it's well, you have also have a trust problem. So Iran has a trust problem with its own people, which is weird because, well, it's just weird. I mean, to be honest with you, if you don't trust your own people, you should not be in power. But the fortunate thing about all these regimes is that – these are the people that are going to be in power because they don't trust people, and they get rid of those people that they don't trust. And usually, the intellectuals, and all of them will get well, targeted and killed, usually, or put in prison and brutally beaten, usually. Uh, so this is going to be interesting to see what happens. I think a lot. I think once this news comes out, what's going to happen is a lot of these messaging services are going to just. Turn on indefinitely ended encryptions, and Iran is still going to have a problem with trying to get the data from its users because the tech companies have outsmarted them. Once again, usually happens with governments. They go, We want this. And they're like, All right, flip it on. Well, that's figuratively, I mean, it's probably, there's a lot of code going on, but turn it on. All right. Well, here you go. Well, we can't read it, so have fun trying to decipher this. And they'd be like, Dang it, word it again. All right, there's a new study about apps and it says that one in four people abandoned mobile apps after only one use. That's right, is that we don't really use that many apps. We only use a handful of apps and we only use them of maybe less than 11 times. That's depending on the app and it's depending on the habit that you have with it. And I can attest to it, I've got a lot of apps and I may open a handful of them every once in a while, but it's not very often. Uh, so it has been going up with a ban- uh, app abandonment a little bit. It's about uh, it's about twenty three percent, but it's not. But it it was twenty percent, and then two thousand fifteen went to twenty five percent. Then it went a little bit up to twenty three percent. So it yes and no. It's a good thing, kind of, sort of, but not really. Uh, app retention, now that's a different thing where it was 34% was in 2015 and then 38% of app was in 2016, which is kind of a good uh, indicator too. Uh, now the problem is is that the 11, mark, 11 times mark or less is the mark that a lot of app companies are now gonna have to get over the barrier for. But however, Google has released a lot more tools to you know, engage with your users again and try to get them to use your app more often. And that's a great thing. Uh, and that's what needs to happen because a lot of these app developers don't have that type of resources and tools. So Firebase could be a really good thing for you. Another thing is uh, app retention. So apps uh, using in-app messages a lot more retention rate than non than not using in-app messages. So thing is, use in-app messages because you'll get a lot better retention rate, push notifications. Like I said, remind people to come back every once in a while. Don't overdo it. Do it probably once a day is good enough. If you do it more than once a day, you're going to piss people off. But yes, back to your app is the best way of doing it. And so find out ways of doing that. Always be... Always be marketing, always be having little deals. If you do that type of in-app purchases, just remind people, hey, this is your top score. Maybe you should try to beat this. Those types of things of just little nudging will help, you know, make more retention out of your app and hopefully make you a little bit more profitable. Because right now, we're kind of in this low doldrum of app cycle and app development because a lot of people don't use a lot, very many apps anymore in the, golden age of app development is kind of over. We're kind of in that little doldrums. Now, there is a, some good news. Uh, Android, or Google, I should say, released uh, some a little bit new updates in I.O., especially with Android Instant Apps, where you can just go into the app without installing the app and kind of look at things, and app developers can modulize their apps so uh, they Users can use it. and If they want to install, that's a way of doing it. And I think it's a better way of using app development and it's a better way of just getting more people to actually use it in little small bites because that's what's gonna happen right now. You're gonna have to kind of like lure them in and be like, hey, you tried that app a little bit. How about installing it? Yes, you know you want to. You know I want to install that app. And everybody's like, uh, all right. Yeah, I actually really want to do it. Okay. Uh, but yeah. That's what that's what it is. It's not really looking great for app development right now, but I mean, it had its glory days in the beginning. Uh, we're kind of in this transitional phase, I think, of uh, figuring out how to make app installs a lot less time-consuming, and uh, Google has. Being the forefront of doing that, especially with this last IO of uh, dynamic links and making sure that depending on which platform you're on, you go to this the right one and not having to go press this one or press this one. So, going from 11 clicks to three clicks is a lot is really great too because it will bring up a retention rate. So, like I said before, that is how it is right now. And so, if you're a developer, just, just be aware of that and try to find tools to help you with being successful in it. All right. Google has well updated with Project Soli uh, 2.0. Now this is an interesting thing because it uses radar for wearables, so gesturing and all, others, all those other things could be a little bit more implemented better, be used a lot better. Maybe new gesturing that we haven't seen before can be implemented, but it has a potential to impact not just smartwatches but the Internet of Things altogether. With uh, radar technology. Now, the thing about this is when I mean, it's taken so long to get it out is two things. One, it has to be small enough to fit in something really small like a smartwatch. Uh, two, it had to have uh, a way to uh, be powered but not enough to kill someone's battery in well, a couple hours or even a couple minutes. And three, it just had to be implemented well enough and the radar technology would be great enough to actually use uh, well, so it looks like they kind of figured out a lot of these hurdles for the most part, and now they're ready to, you know, give out developer kits. So it should be interesting to see how smartwatches are going to use it and how much better they actually could be in the future. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, smartwatches or wearables are going to be able to use with radar. Yes, we'll be able to, you know, have radar on our shirts or our, our watches and be like, up. Oh, there's someone nearby. I can't read radar because I never have before, but I don't know. It, it just gives me a little green dot and it blips every once in a while. And I don't really know what's going on here. No, but it's going to be, it's not really going to be that, but that'd be really funny. Uh, someone's over there somewhere. I don't know how far they are, but they're there. They're, they're over there. So go get them. Uh, no, but it actually could help also with tracking people, especially if they're lost. Radar is always is a way of tracking people. Uh, so that's another downside as well, because maybe you just don't want to be tracked, so wearables and all that stuff might not be for you. Uh, but for gesturing and this ability to use it for cars, homes, beyond just smartwatches, could be interesting implementation. It looks like a bright future for wearables, more than smartphones. I think smartphones are great, and they're, they're still getting better, and there's still room for innovation, but they may have already seen their best days ahead of them unless we can figure out, unless companies will bring out uh, foldable screens, which I think is the next wave of it, is having foldable screens so we can have actually bigger screens when you want to and smaller screens when you don't want it. That actually be a great thing as well. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with all that. Now, here's a weird thing that I saw, and I don't really understand why this company's getting into it. Apparently, Atari is getting into Internet of Things business uh, with a partnership of Sig. Fox Now, Sigfox is getting into the Internet of Things and it's actually doing a pretty good job. My problem is, is Atari isn't known for that. It's known for gaming, specifically gaming. It's like one of the first companies to make this popular consumer console product and then to completely kill the gaming industry in the 80s with E.T. And then coming back in the 90s and early 2000s with all great games and then kind of killing itself again, uh, being sold off time and time again, so it's just trying to find a better business, a new business model because it's not working for them right now. The problem is, is that its brand identity is not that. And I know it's trying to find a way to be viable, but you got to stick with what you're known for. You can completely rebrand yourself in technology, but people are going to be like, "Why would I want you make games? Why? What? You have things, Atari." make any sense i used to play pac-man and centipede with you and now you're wanting me to buy something that smart is makes my home smarter so confusing but yes there's gonna be a partnership so then you guys uh be on the lookout for atari made uh internet of things products because they're coming out still weird not gonna lie it's really weird all right, Google Photos looks like it's going to be teased with unlimited storage for Nexus owners. Yes, if you don't know, Nexus is the uh, Google line of smartphones. Now, it's not made by Google. It's made by its uh, developer partners, and each one has different partners depending on what Apple chooses. Uh, one year it was Motorola, but they actually owned Motorola for a while. They sold it off to of Lenovo, but they one year they had it. Um, last year it was Huawei did it, and LG did this. Uh, cheaper version of it. This year it's supposed to be HTC, but it's also uh, one way of getting updates a lot quicker. It also is vanilla Android, which that means that there's no blowware or extra uh, apps that other uh, partners and developers of phones put on there. So it's another good thing for that as well. If you kind of just like the vanilla stock uh, Android, which I usually like uh, just because it just runs a lot better. Well, you could have a little bit extra incentive with Nexus owners that could get unlimited storage uh, for higher than 16 megapixel uh, photos. Now, most mobile photos aren't up to that resolution quite yet, but it's an interesting way of saying, hey, because you bought our phone, yay, I'm buying our phone, we'll give you this. So it's an interesting little incentive to it. Usually Nexus phones are reviewed really well a little bit more on the pricey side, not too much. They're still reviewed really well. They get the the updates quicker. Now there are some problems with that too, but there's always problems with everything. Uh, And I mean, this is another extra incentive. You can also use um, Google's cellular service as well if you want to, Project Fi. Uh, So I mean, you have a lot of incentive to getting a Nexus phone. Uh, So we'll see what HTC brings out. They've been kind of not doing very well in that space because well, there's not really much a lot of money to be made in the mobile phone sector anymore. It's kinda of dying. Speaking of stupid passwords that I talked about in well looking at some of the passwords from MySpace, uh Microsoft's gonna ban your stupid passwords. Yes. If you do one, two, three, four, five, six or password, it will say, please, for the love of God, try harder. Please do not try something that someone can figure out or do in their first or second choice. Please do something smarter and I think it's a great thing because people are lazy they don't only want to make new passwords and they think of the dumbest passwords sometimes I don't understand why they think of the dumbest passwords but they actually do think of the dumbest passwords. so now instead of uh, just allowing people to make weak passwords Microsoft's going to be like hey look at this is not that strong of a password you might want to change it Uh, it's going to be in partnership with Azure AD Identify Identify Protection Team, and it's gonna be updating with weak passwords, so be sure that you do a strong enough password or use LastPass, or well, the other ones that are out there as well. I like LastPass, it's really good. I usually recommend it, I use it. I use it, I like it a lot, a lot, a lot, I like it a lot. Yes, passwords, it's always fun. All right, more on the Microsoft front is that, well, looks like, uh, People that are using Windows 7 and Windows 8 are afraid of just Microsoft updating them without their knowledge, and so they're actually disabling critical updates instead, which could be detrimental to their actual computer. Now, I don't think it's right for what Microsoft is doing. I also don't think the hate for Windows 10 is actually really all that, well, it's not really... The arguments I've seen aren't really that great for it. It's just people like what they like, and let's be honest with you, that's what it really is mostly about. Is that they just don't like it. They keep on saying about privacy, but usually when you ask people, like, "Well, you're on social media, are you on? Do you have an email address on popular sites?" and they say yes, I'm like, "Well, then why why are you making this argument? Because you're already being tracked in general." So that's usually my thing about it. Windows 10 is. For me, a lot better. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I have no problems with it so far. Uh, it's not really been a big deal f- for me. I, I mean, there's been some little weird things that it boots back up again when I shut it down. i like, I just shut you down. But beyond that, it's not bad. Now, the other problem is, is that it doesn't really, Microsoft's update requirements doesn't really accurately check your system. So things, that your system is good enough for Windows 10 when it actually really isn't. So that's another big problem because that's what I think that's where a lot of people run into problems with it is that Microsoft goes, oh, it's ready. Yeah, you can use it. And then it's tons of problems. It's bad enough. I mean, I've seen some people say, well, it doesn't have Windows Media Center. That's just a terrible program anyways. And you can find other ways of watching DVDs There's a lot of free uh, programs out there that you can do that. So to me, that really wasn't that great of a – some of them aren't really that great of arguments. It's just, let's be honest, you don't like the program. It's new. It's a little bit different. So you'll install it, which is perfectly fine. But don't give me the whole privacy thing when you have an email address and you're on social media because you aren't – there's not really much privacy left you have because you voluntarily already did it. I do it, I understand that part of it, so I'm not fully against it. However, I'm also not fully in favor of Microsoft just, you know, bum-rushing this thing in and making people worry of updates because they, they may or may not get Windows 10 update. Plus, just clicking the X mark, and that being it, I agree to this, is not a way to do it, Microsoft. I mean, seriously, you have to be okay with people not wanting to upgrade. I get it, the Windows... Uh, Vista XP fiasco was pretty bad, but people didn't want to upgrade to it, and then you got Windows 7, but people still didn't want to upgrade to Windows 7. Even though it was a better operating system than XP, people still didn't want to do it. So this has happened time and time again. You're just going to get people that just don't want to do it for whatever reason, and whatever reason they have is a very solid argument for them. That's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, it's kind of dumb that they've made people actually do that. All right, it looks like AMD is going to be making uh, Radeon, car, Radeon cards or the graphics cards, if you don't know what they are, that will have high-end graphics that are going to be around $200. Now, that's actually pretty good. It's going to be more part of the uh, Polaris uh, line that they are doing that they're pushing out. So it's going to be pumping out better cards that aren't going to cost you $600 like the new uh, NVIDIA uh, 1080 card is going to be – It's you're going to be spending $600 for that. Or the 1070, which is a little over 300 which is a little bit more reasonable of a price. But it looks like it's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, it's actually a great business move for AMD to actually go after that type of middle ground market where most people actually buy the graphics card want, that want the latest and greatest, but just can't afford the latest and greatest. So, yeah, I think it's a great thing. Uh, now... They kind of, uh, one AMD employee kind of showed a picture that probably shouldn't have shown about it running FreeSync and Doom together. So like I said, it should be interesting. Plus with the new uh, VR systems coming out, it's even more imperative that graphics cards be really great in power consumption, but also really great on, you know, rendering those graphics and not uh, costing a lot so this is just a really great avenue for them to actually take and it's a really nice approach and i actually kind of like what they're doing with it now nvidia will eventually release uh the 1060 which will probably be more of the budget wise uh for their cards and more of the middle ground as well but i mean AMD. if amd strikes first they'll kind of get some of the a market away from them, which is great because there's really only two companies that are making graphics cards. Yes, you can say, but Asus makes it, yeah, but Asus makes it from AMD or NVIDIA's architecture and all the other ones do the same thing. So it's not really uh, all these different companies making different graphics cards. It's just two companies making graphics cards and the other companies just kind of using whatever they're using off of it and licensing deals, obviously for it as well. Because the companies want to cut off that. Yeah, they do. Uh All right, apps to try, interesting other things to try. Now, I had a coin. Now, coin was bought out by Fitbit. It was a couple weeks ago, maybe last month. And now there's a new kind of coin competitor called Spend Period. I don't know why they put a period on it, but it's called Spend Wallet or Spend Period. I don't know, it's, it's, it's Spend. So it's Spend Wallet, it's supposed to be an electronic wallet. It looks really thick for just kind of like your wallet and it says it's the thinnest wallet but the coin uh card was extra a lot thinner at least that's what i had going for it now what they're saying is that uh you can you know contact less payments anywhere uh introducing a true electronic wallet so you can put different types of debit cards credit cards gift cards membership cards and etc name them uh it's supposed to replace your wallet quote unquote maybe maybe not because it's an Indiegogo, so it could fail miserably, and that's what happened with Coin, and that's why I don't do all of these, because I never know if they actually will ship their products out. Uh, It will have a proximity alert, which Coin already has, security passcode, so protect your card, it will have a passcode, or fingerprint reader, so you can do a passcode, which is kind of nice, and bank level encryption, two, 256-bit encryption, which is great. Like I said before, This all all is a make or break because these companies think that Apple Pay or Android Pay or any other pay ones out there aren't going to make it. And the problem is that we're probably going to go in that direction than what they're doing. I'm not saying that this can't be actually a really cool thing, but I think an electronic wallet would be better suited for making an app and doing it that way than making a whole little thingamajig. I know, that's that's very techie. Uh, basically electronic device to put different cards in. You might as well just, you know, outbeat Android Pay or one of those instead of actually making a physical type of card. I think that's gonna be obsolete soon. I don't think this is gonna work out, but if you wanna try it out, I'll I'll put the link in the description and you can see if you really wanna do it. All right, are you one of those people that is really, really just freaked out about government spying on you? Well, Tor has updated with Browser 6.0, yes. Now you can browse the internet anonymously, supposedly. I mean there have been there have been no problems with it, and it's not really as anonymous. Maybe they've fixed the problems with it. Yes, Tor is a way of doing it anonymously and making sure that well those nefarious, nefarious groups aren't going to you know get you. So it is available for Linux, Windows, and Mac if you want to do it for any one of those. Uh, and go ahead. I always say, do responsibly. Don't be one of those people. But yes, if you are afraid of the internet stooping spying on you, this is probably the best way of doing it. It's called Tor Browser 6.0. Check it out. I'll put the link in the description as always. Now, have you always wanted to, you know, build an app or anything like that to, uh, you know, maybe you know, create a business around it, but have no? Experience coding whatsoever. Well, there's a code free startup that will allow you to start building. You can start building a marketplace app, single, uh, simple checkout page, or custom customer chat tool, all with no coding whatsoever. Just, you know, a little bit of technical know how won't help. Well, I mean, would actually help, won't help, would actually help as well. But you actually don't have to do it that way. Uh, So, I mean, there's little videos there to help you out. So if you really kind of want to get into coding but not don't know where to start, this could actually be a great way for you. It's called Code-Free Startup. You should check it out. Alright, these are for people that are well looking for jobs. It is the worst thing to do in the world, and it sucks. I will put that on my tombstone. Not really. I'll put something else. <laughs> put it on your tombstone. Job hunting sucks. People would be like, oh, "Yeah, I like that team, son." Yeah, right. Life lesson, right there, folks. But anyways, uh, Groovy CV will allow you to make a unique resume. Now, I tried it out. They're kind of sort of unique. They're not really that unique. There's only four of them, and the only way to actually do it to get them free, quote unquote, is to tweet or do a social media thing or buy access for it. I tweeted, so I got to make. A free resume uh, I had to tailor it quite a bit because well it, it I mean it looked nice it looked v- very well done I wish there was a little more customization on the color and changing colors cuz one of them is pink and I'm like eh, pink no, no 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 if it was more creative job fine but no most people will just throw it away blue not bad or just anything else so like I said before it could be interesting. It could be something that you're looking for, kind of beefing up, making your resume look a little bit better. But there's other – but it's also free. So there's other companies out there, but they cost at least 100 bucks or more to make for really nice-looking uh, resumes as well. So, I mean, it's alternative for you. So if you're looking for a way to make your resume stand out, Groovy CV might actually be for you. All right. That is the end of the episode. Thank you for tuning in. And – Make sure to follow Digital Coffee on Twitter, digitalco 77 ee On Instagram, Digital Coffee Podcast. On Facebook, Digital Coffee Podcast. Plus, Digital Coffee Podcast, CA. Uh, I had to put CA because Digital Coffee Podcast was already taken. Uh, on Inst- uh, YouTube, Digital Coffee Podcast as well. And if you like these podcasts, please consider supporting me on Patreon at Digital Coffee. All right. And join me tomorrow where I talk about, ooh, the Instagram new business tools that are eventually going to be launching out and other things are going on in marketing news all right guys have a great day later